What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Verzi Effect Podcast Show. My name is Paul Verzi. Today is December 1st, and you are listening to episode number 41. Um, and folks, uh, I have actually succumbed to the idea that uh, I will be upgrading a bunch of equipment on my uh, podcast coming up in the next uh, episode or so, maybe uh, one or two episodes from now. Uh, I'll be getting an external mic and some things here to uh, to drown out any kind of buzzing or, or noises in the background. Uh, that's not really what I wanted to do. As I mentioned before on the podcast, I wanted to just keep it... Uh, Keep it, you know, whatever. Keep it raw. Keep it to, you know, just my, you know, my my laptop here. Uh, be able to open it up and talk anytime without having that. But the podcast show is getting more listeners, and uh, people are saying, "Hey, man, let's let's clean up any noise and let's make this thing sound as professional as possible." So I will be making upgrades, just so you know. Uh, so I guess the amount of listeners and everybody kind of uh, giving me good feedback and uh, the number of uh, Verzi effectors out there growing, we're going to make this website, uh, uh, I should say podcast, uh, cleaner. So there's not going to be the, that buzzing in the background. I'm gonna, like I said, I'm going to get a bunch of things here. Um, so it sounds better and so I don't have to hear my management and other people saying, oh, well, you know, more people listening, you got to clean it up. So I will do that. Um, wanted to keep this shit gutter, son. That's what they say, keep it gutter. Um, but we're going to have to clean this up, so that's what I will do. Uh, thank you for listening in. I hope you enjoyed the last episode with Dan Soder, and I uh, hope you enjoyed uh, your Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy, uh, happy belated Thanksgiving. I hope everybody had a great one with their families. Um, I found out something about Thanksgiving that I didn't know. I didn't know this at all. And I don't know if you did. So I will give you this information. But apparently, Thanksgiving night in a hospital is one of the busiest in the emergency room because the fat fucks that are Americans in uh, today's day and age who don't know how to control themselves with food gorge themselves so much that people have fucking heart attacks and people just don't know that having four packed plates of food is pretty much um, very unhealthy and I didn't know that like me this year I made sure that I tasted everything but I had one plate and that's it that's all you really need one plate because you're forgetting that you're drinking, you're having wine, you're having, if there's beer during the football game, there, you, even if you're drinking water, all the shit you're putting in your body on top of stuffing and turkey and cranberry sauce and whatever else it is that your family makes on Thanksgiving, you're packing all of this shit in. There were three stuffings at my Thanksgiving this year, three stuffings. One had fruit in it. One had this in it. One was regular. It was like ridiculous. Gravy. Mashed potatoes. It's fucking gluttony. This is why we are the fattest people in the world. And I didn't realize that the ERs get packed out with people who just can't control themselves. Which is sad and funny all at the same time. Um, 
So I hope everybody had a happy Thanksgiving. I did. It was really nice. And, um, you know, holiday season, what can you say? It's the best. Holidays are the best. You got family. You got friends. Eat like a fucking animal and uh, eat like a pig. And uh, what are you going to do? So um, speaking of um, funny but sad, uh, the comedy world took another hit this week with the loss of the um, profound and genius Patrice O'Neill, who um, I had the pleasure of uh, opening for a few times. I opened for him at uh, Bananas Comedy Club in New Jersey, and I also did a guest spot when he headlined uh, at Comics last winter. And um, just uh, truly, truly a loss, man. This, this one really, you know... This one hit me harder than others, maybe because I worked with him, but it's just a really sad, sad thing when somebody who has so much to say, you know, that's what's really fucked up about the whole Mike DiStefano and, and, and Greg Giraldo and, and, now, and now Patrice is that these guys who have these beautiful minds, you know, they, they have so much to say, they're not afraid you know, the, the one thing that I'll never, ever, ever forget from Patrice O'Neill was he was the first guy that, like, I actually was so confused by what he was doing, and now I see how good it was. You know, I was almost like, well, if this guy's so good, why is he walking people? Why is he just preaching these ideas? Because I didn't realize years ago what he was doing. And then as I grew as a comic and worked with him, I realized what he was doing. What he was doing was he didn't care about the people he walked out. He cared about the people who took his point of view and stayed. You know, that's the difference. Um, the people, you know, you whittle out, get rid of all the fucking people that, that you're gonna, I mean, you're never gonna please everybody, but you're gonna get a select few that love you until you basically build that fan base to, to be an empire, which he did. So, um, you know, and I'll be honest, like, you know, I've heard things from people before I worked with Patrice that he could be difficult, that he might not be a nice guy to, to certain comics. Um, so I went in like, man, fuck that guy. If that guy's mean to me, fuck him. Like, I almost went into working with him as if I didn't like him. I had my defense. It was a defense mechanism. And then I did a really good set before him, and he kind of looked at me and gave me a thumbs up, and he was nice to me, and he talked to me. And then when I worked with, uh, when I, when I, um, when I did a guest spot, uh, for him at Comics, you know, we were talking and he was like, yeah, you look familiar. And I told him, you know, I was like, yeah, I opened for you at Bananas. And he, and I said something to him that he liked. I said, dude, I just watched your set. And I said, I gotta be honest with you. I knew you were good, but I never knew you were that good. And he just laughed because I was just watching this guy really just, you know, just tell the crowd what it is, man. And, and it was really refreshing and different and new. And um, it's really sad. It's a hard hit for comedy to have somebody who was saying profound things and, and really thought the way that he thought. So uh, rest in peace to Patrice O'Neill. Um, definitely going to be missed in the comedy world. Um, one thing that I would like to say, uh, or tell, tell you guys a story about, about Patrice, just, just to put into perspective how, how good and how respected he was um, the night I was at comics with him, I was in the green room, and uh, I think his agent was in the green room, and his buddy, and D.L. Hughley, 
uh, walked into the room just to show respect and, you know, watch Patrice. And I'm standing there, and I was standing there next to um, the host, uh, Ryan Reese is the host of the show. And we're standing back there, and I'm just watching. I'm just, you know, these guys are talking. They were talking about, um, who were they talking about? They were talking about an athlete. They were, they were talking about Tiger Woods having to apologize. It was around the time Tiger Woods did the press conference where he's apologizing with his mother there and all this shit. And uh, I remember Patrice was saying something like, you know, they're holding this guy hostage. This guy's apologizing for shit. And um, I just, the one thing that I remember was, here you have all of these other people in this green room, including D.L. Hughley, who is a famous celebrity millionaire comedian, sitting in there. And Patrice just totally took over the room and was the guy in the room to the point where, like, nobody else... You could tell, like, D.L. Hughley was just sitting there quiet, like, watching Patrice with this respect for him. And I just... I never forget that, man, because I was just like, man, this guy is not the super famous guy. The super famous guy is sitting next to this guy, yet everybody is listening to what he's got to say. And there was just this respect, like, all right, dude, this is the guy, and that's why I'm here. And I'll never forget that. That was something that I was just like, wow, man. And it just lets you know, the comedy business today, um, it's not about who's on the TV all the time. It's not about who's in the sitcom. It's not about that. It's about who the best is, who the realist is, and, and, and stuff like that. So um, that's what I'm going to take from from uh, Patrice and, and the honesty on stage and stuff and one of the only comics that I could honestly say had beautiful words. He would put together things and say things, and even if it made people really uncomfortable, if you really were smart and listened to what he was saying, it was beautiful. So um, rest in peace, Patrice O'Neill. Uh, you will be you will be deeply missed. Uh, people are very sad in the comedy business, and uh, I'm just glad that I had the pleasure of meeting you and working with you. Um, and my thoughts and prayers go out to uh, the family and friends. Um, so you know, it's just been a—it's just—it's actually like a tough week as far as dealing with um, with loss. Um, the uh, the girl that I went to high school with, um, Kim Branda, unfortunately, uh, you know, lost her her unbelievably courageous battle against ovarian cancer she she passed away on thanksgiving and um she was very very sick for a long time and i'm glad that she's not suffering anymore i am um you know just deeply saddened uh, for her loss and and thinking about everything i was honored to do a a, a benefit for her um last year and uh, one of the most meaningful things i did and like i said when i was in that room at Carnegie Hall, I was thinking of what Mike DiStefano thought uh, was talking about, as far as living, living while in the moment and enjoying it, and and also I was thinking of Kim Branda, going through what she was going through, and that's why I said, man, this is life is short, man. Go out there and do what you do, and and uh, and leave a legacy, and 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 believe in everything that you're doing, and and so, um, I, I went to her wake, um, on Monday, which was uh, obviously, you know just sad and 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 terrible so uh you know just around a lot of loss and death this week and it sucks um unfortunately it's part of life and uh and you move on but 
Um, I don't know if I could have started this podcast any more fucking somber. Uh, <laughs> just, you know, opening up with death and stuff. But no, man, it's a, it is. It's a part of life, and it's an unfortunate part of life. But, um, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully they're in a better place. And hopefully, um, you know, they're, they're, they're looking down and, and, and in peace. And that's all you could think about, you know. Um, but, uh, the, the, you know, the, the stories about Patrice and, and obviously sending my condolences to, uh, you know, to Kim Brand and my thoughts and prayers is something that I want to do here on my podcast show. Um, you know, because, you know, it's, it's life is short, man, and you got to cherish things. It, you know, and, and I was talking to somebody about this. And I was actually talking about this on uh, Joe Matarese's podcast, uh, Fixing Joe, yesterday, which I'll be on his uh, his latest episode. I think it's 48. It's coming out this week. It was me, Joe, and Dante Nero. Um, but, you know, when corny, cliche things come up, it's because those corny and cliche things are actually accurate, and they come up in the proper times. That's how you know something is accurate, if it comes up in the proper time. And, you know, things like, um, you know, live for today, don't sweat the small stuff, and, you know, don't don't be petty about things. It really is true, man, because life is short. It's a really short ride, and it's about what you do with it, you know? And you hear all those corny things and all those cliched things people say, but, you know, since you can't beat death, it really does come into play, and it's true. Um, you know, love your families, love your kids, man. Just enjoy yourself. Do do what you want to do and 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 while you're here, just fucking live. You know, just live and 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 you know, do all the things that that make you fucking happy. Don't listen to these hating cocksuckers that want to try to bring you down or or they don't have anything going on in their lives or they love, you know, misery and, and you know, and you know, the whole saying, misery loves company. So you, so you get these people that are just negative and shitty because their personal lives suck. They suck as individuals. They suck, you know, and so what they want to do is they want to see other people in their shitty boat. So everybody could be in this big shitty boat together unhappy. But that's not living because we're all going to die. So I would rather fucking do something. And and that's what I take from all of this shit, you know, from, from everything, you know. And, and it, it's really changing me as a comedian because I go on stage. I don't care if I offend somebody now. I don't care if I stop my show and go at a heckler because I'm just going to do what I'm going to do and the people that are aboard are going to be aboard and the people that are not could suck my dick, man. Seriously. Like, I just don't give a shit anymore. You know? Y you can't. You know? It, and, and I feel like if, if somebody really wants to be, like, negative and shoot you down... They are just the most miserable, unhappy people, and you already won. If anybody's hating on you so much, or if anybody's trying to... And not that people are hating on me like that, but just like negative people or people that just like to see other people do bad, those people are nothing that you should even be concerned about because they already lost, you know? Um, and, and there's winners and there's losers in this world, and, and you got to just pick one. You know, that's how I feel. So uh, that's what I'm taking from this, you know, from, from all of this loss and all of these brilliant people who, who said profound things and, and did things. 
Um, it inspires me. It makes me realize that, you know what, certain things I want to say on stage, I can say. Certain things I want to say even off stage in conversation that maybe you'd be afraid to say. As long as you do it in a respectful way where you're not, you know, really hurting or attacking anybody, you know, do, you know, say and believe and do what you, you, you feel. And, and if the people that just don't like you and dis, you know, like, th this is what I don't like. Like, I'm not one of these people. It's not my thing. I'm not going down to Occupy Wall Street protest. That's not who I am. That's not what I'm about, you know. Um, now, I can say that. And some people who maybe even are listening to this podcast right now heard me just say, I'm not going to go down to the Occupy Wall Street and protest. And right away, they don't like that I said that. They think I'm against the cause. They think that I'm, you know, that I'm just on a different page than them. Um, and they're already upset with me. What they're doing is they're judging me. But I never said I don't believe. Listen, I'll be honest with you. I said this many times before. I'm trying to be the 1%. Okay, now that doesn't mean I disagree with the 99%. That doesn't mean that I don't think they have some points and that these bankers and, and, and you know, these Wall Street people, I'm not saying that it's not shitty and corrupt and, and, and the system is flawed. I'm not saying that. But I still want to be the 1% and get my fucking money. But I'm not going to go there and protest it. And some people are against it. Oh, how could you say no? Because I, cause, You know why? Because I have a kid. And I have another one on the way. And I have a career. And that's what I'm focused on. I'm not going to go stand in some fucking park all day holding a sign. Alright? So I could put those pictures on Facebook and show, hey, yeah, I'm a part of the cause. People, people don't listen. When you say something that somebody doesn't agree with 100%, they block it off. They don't really listen. They don't understand. And it's fucking annoying to me. And I'm really going to not be afraid to say what I feel and when I want to say it. And if somebody's got a problem with it and they're too ignorant and stupid to really listen to what I'm saying, then then, then I don't need that. I, I don't even want that person to listen. I don't even, that person is not even worth any time or breath of mine. Okay, because as I said many times on this podcast show, and anybody who knows me knows that I think everybody some way can meet and have a point. You know, we could all meet halfway, regardless of what you are politically, regardless of, of, of your, your religious beliefs. If you just stop and listen to somebody else's opinion on shit, instead of automatically hearing their upfront comment, which is maybe something you're against, and then blocking them out, that, that's, that's the problem. You can't do that. You got to just, if you listen... And you meet halfway, things can can work out, and you could and we can understand each other better. Unfortunately, we're too stupid to do that. That's why I stopped making any kind of political comments on Facebook or anything like that. But you know, um, the the theme of this podcast show here, um, and thank you, you know, thank you if you're listening. And uh, but the theme of this podcast show here is just to say, like, you know. Be who you are. Don't be afraid to say it. Don't be afraid to explain it if you have to. And if you do and somebody doesn't like it, fuck them. That's all. That's all that that's all this is. You know, do live your life. Don't hide behind things. And and it's been really refreshing. Like I was on stage last night, um, which by the way, I am getting so sick of my act. I'm getting so sick of hearing my voice say the same jokes. And now I'm on this thing where I cannot get on stage and feel good or comfortable unless um, I'm doing new shit all the time. Like last night I was on stage and I was having a good set. And even though I was having a good set, I literally just looked at the crowd. I go, all right, fuck this. I got to do some new stuff that I've been thinking about. I got to get stuff off my mind. And I just started riffing. I just started riffing. I just started talking about how, you know, people who got hurt 
and stomped on and maced and pepper sprayed on Black Friday because they wanted 20% off a shitty jacket, deserved all the suffering that they got. I started talking about how, you know, you, you know, I want to be able to say things and if people get upset, you know, just, you, you know, screw them. And I just started going off on these things, man. And it was really working. And I'm realizing, man, that's what it is about. Um, because I felt like I don't have an act anymore. I need I need new jokes. So that's what I'm really working on. And if if some things fall flat and bomb, then that's what I need to do until I get I get the new batch of shit right. But um, just going out there saying it. And and um, I guess guys like Patrice O'Neill and Mike DiStefano and and all these all these people that just were you know not afraid that like these are the things you get inspired by people. You know that you watch and you go, holy shit, man! I, I I I can actually say that, and I think it, and that's gonna take me to another level, and that that's what I'm doing right now. That's where I'm at. I just want to say the things I want to say, not to friends, at a barbecue privately or in my home watching a game. No, go on stage and say it, and knowing that you're gonna disappoint and upset some people in that crowd. And I gotta tell you, it is the greatest, most refreshing thing if you talking to a girl and she's acting like a cunt to you tell her you are a cunt i don't appreciate your bitchy cunty attitude and i don't even want to be around you go somewhere else because i'm actually having an urge to grab you by the hair and throw you somewhere you stupid bitch you don't want to say the second part of that sentence so maybe i got a little carried away there and I really don't condone putting hands on anybody, but I'm saying you had the urge and thought in your mind to just, like, take somebody by their hair and just, like... Which is just always a funny thing to just... I was actually at Yankee Stadium one time, and I saw two Yankee fans drag a Boston Red Sox fan out by the back of their collar and then, like, kind of lunge them and then kick them in the ass as they threw them. And it was one of the funniest things I ever saw. And I was just thinking to myself... Um, you know, how great would it be if somebody was being rude and just kind of grabbed him by the hair and you just lunged, like you just threw him aside. Um, but no, I mean, obviously you ne you'd never want anything to get physical and I, I didn't mean that it would, but I, I was talking about having urges to just say to somebody, I have an urge to take you by your fucking, just throw you around. And smack you hard like that's I I you know you know you don't like somebody in a conversation when you just actually get pleasure in thinking of smacking them in the face hard while you're and, and they have no idea you're thinking about it you're just while the conversation is going on you're thinking if I just smacked this person hard in the face right now the the level of satisfaction that I would have doing so would be incredible um, it'd be great to tell somebody listen I can't finish this conversation because I'm thinking about hurting you thinking about smacking. I just can't stand the sight of your face or the sound of your voice. Um, but uh, this is probably one of the darkest podcasts I've done. But you know what? Good. Got to get it out. Got to get it out. Why not on the Verzi effect, right? No, I'm telling you, fellas, if you're talking to a girl and she's just being a rude bitch to you, just stop and go, why are you being such a bitch? You are such a bitch. You're an unpleasant fuck and I don't even want to look at you. Oh my god, it feels so good. Like that time I was in Connecticut and that girl who was really pretty, this gorgeous red-headed girl, and uh, she was laughing at all my jokes and I thought she was going to be a sweetheart and then she was like, well, you know, I kind of don't want to take your flyer because I'm just going to throw it out really, really, and it was so good. I just walked up to her and I said, you know something, you not taking my flyer tells me all I would ever need to know about you. 
Like that, you know, totally, totally nails your personality. And I would never, it tells me everything I would need to know about you. And it felt so good to just tell her that because she was just standing there thinking about it. I know she was. She had to have been. And it was just great. Like, you know, take the fly. You were laughing at my jokes, okay? I'm headlining the show, you know, you know, you, you know, whether you have a Twitter or a Facebook, you could take the flyer. And then how about this? A nice person takes the flyer and then privately throws it out later or looks at it, gets me on Facebook and Twitter and then throws it out either way. Or even if you were going to throw it out right after I walked away, but to say, really, do I have to take it? I'm just going to throw it out just because you think you're cute. You know, she deserved me saying that to her. It was unbelievable. It was liberating to say that to her. I'll tell you a great story. One time, my older brother Christian, this is great, man. My older brother Christian, who is fucking one of the greatest human beings, one of the greatest human beings. Um, I, I wish that I was half as good as my older brother. Um, you know, I feel like I'm a nice guy. I know I'm a nice guy. I'm a nice fucking guy. But, like, my brother is just one of these people, like, too good. Like, you know, my brother can almost be taken advantage of. That's how nice of a guy he is, you know? And,. But he's got that inner temper, like we all do. But he was at a, he was at, <laughs> this is a true story. My older brother Christian was at one of these stores, I don't know if it was Best Buy or Target. He was doing something around the holidays, he was in one of these stores. And this customer service lady was so rude to the person in front of my brother. Like, like to the point where my brother said the person was being embarrassed. She was like, no, sir, if you listen, sir, well, you do this, and you got to do this, sir. And like the guy was just like... It was just like making the guy almost cry. Or or I don't know if it was a girl. It was a guy or a girl. Well, obviously it was a guy or a girl. It was an alien. There was an alien online that was getting really tormented, tortured by... No, I, I you know, this lady was just... This customer service lady was just laying in to this person. And my brother said it was one of the rudest, most uncomfortable feelings he had in the store. So my brother gets up to the line and says... Gets, gets to his turn and goes up there and he goes, I just want to let you know something. You're lucky that you weren't talking to me like that. And the lady just kind of stepped back and looked shocked. And my brother said, because if you did, I would have taken this videotape and embedded it in your fucking skull. Or something along those lines. Like he went from fucking calm to just dark and evil. And it, oh my God, it's just unbelievable. Like that, I, 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 there is nothing better than that. When he told me that, I loved it. He said, "You're calmly. You're lucky that you did that to that person and not me. Because if you ever talked to me like that or did that to me, I would take this tape and embed it in your fucking head." And he just looked at her, and she was shocked and stunned. And it's just absolutely phenomenal. I mean, there's nothing better. I, I just <laughs> the sense of relief that I, and it didn't even happen to me and I felt relief. You know, I remember one time I was in uh, I was in Washington D.C. and I was buying some shitty like meat pocket. I was uh, I think I was opening up for Burr out there or something. I opened up some shitty meat pot. I, I was gonna eat some shitty meat pocket. We were online, and the guy was like, "Well, hold on." And the guy was being really rude, and I put my hands up like, "Oh, dude, relax. Just relax." And I remember Bill going, I love that you told that guy to relax because I, I just, I'm just, you know what it is? I'm 33 years old. I'm a father. I have another kid on the way and um, I believe in what I'm doing and I'm just not going to put up with fucking people. Like I can't, I can't not say what it is and it feels great and I recommend everybody doing it.
Uh, all right, I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to see if it's possible to make like to get on a positive note on this <laughs> on this. But I know all my dark, angry listeners are like, "Oh man, this is going in the fucking iPod tonight." I love this one. Um, and some people that like it pleasant and happy and uh, fuzzy are like, oh, "I don't know." Verzi seems a little tired and angry on this one, but no, this is uh, this is what it is, people. It's been a rough week. Um, all right, so um, I guess I want to talk about. I guess we'll go into movies now because I finally did see a movie in the theater. I saw Clint Eastwood's J. Edgar, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, and I want to review this movie. I went with my wife. My wife finally went to the. My wife and I had this cre- like bonding thing, which of course, which of course included cleaning. Uh, the baby stayed at my mother-in-law's after Thanksgiving for a couple nights, and my wife and I just cleaned our house. And then she normally goes to bed early. She's pregnant. She's tired. She decides I'll go to the movies with you. My older brother, who I just told you about, he wanted to see the movie, so he drove down from upstate. And we went to see J. Edgar, and um, it was funny. It was a very slow movie. Um, no action. Uh, great story. If you like period pieces and like you're like a history person, I liked. I liked it. My wife liked it. I think my older brother liked it, but he was really tired from the drive. So at one point, I looked over and he was snoring. He was sleeping and snoring. And uh, then like he popped up and he's looking around to see if anybody heard. And then he actually ended up watching the whole movie, but. Um, really interesting. Like, I, I kind of, here's what happened. I knew after a, a certain amount of time, all right, there's no, no like, crazy shit's going to go down in this movie. This movie is literally just a period piece. It would be like if you were sitting at home on your couch watching the History Channel and they were talking about something. Like, that's what this was. But it was really amazing that this guy was around for, like, eight presidents. Um, he, you know, the the, the Charles Lindbergh uh, baby kidnapping um, John Dillinger, um, I think Machine Gun Kelly, maybe I, I don't know. There, there was just a bunch of a bunch of like just unbelievably big pieces of American history that this guy was you know in power for, and 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 the guy was just like really smart, and he knew how to stay in power. Uh, I also didn't realize that he was gay. You know, he uh, he had. You know, not like fully, like openly, but like was like in love with a dude, and like was, and um, DiCaprio, of course, did a great job with it. But it was just really, really interesting how he, you know, he had these private files. I don't want to give too much of the, I don't want to give any of the movie away, but it's really not giving anything away. You just got to watch it. But he had like private files on everybody, so like he would be able to like go and and you know. If anybody fucked with him or, like, if anybody was trying to do anything with him, he, he had dirt on everybody and he had him in these, like, private files. But, like, this guy started, like, social security numbers and fingerprints for people. Like, it was like this guy implemented all of this shit that we run we run on every day, our country. Uh, really interesting. So I would say this. If you like fast-paced action if you get like tired in a movie, if shit's not going on, uh, you might want to just wait for this one to be um, on on DVD or skip it because it's not you're not gonna get any kind of like rush, you know. You're not gonna see any explosions or well, actually there are a couple explosions, but 
uh, different. You're not going to get any kind of, you know, adrenaline rush from this movie. But if you like history and you're into just seeing how somebody who was a legend became that way and how it all happened and you're into that, I would sit down and, and, and it's definitely two hours of uh, is, is pretty interesting stuff. Um, the guy was the guy was pretty incredible, uh, tough tough guy, um, which was weird because you know he was this tough guy, but he was just not into women. Like you know, women wanted to be you know women knew who he was. I mean, J Edgar Hoover was like the one of the big and and like he just wasn't that wasn't what he was interested in you know. Um, and I also didn't realize the relationship, how close he was with his mother. So, that being said, if you like history like I do, man, J. Edgar was definitely uh, good. I will say, slow moving and not really any kind of, uh, you know, any kind of just fast pace at all. It was just basically ab about the guy's life and, and everything. But it was pretty interesting and good. So that that's my assessment of it. And uh, Leonardo DiCaprio always delivers. Um... So that's it. And the movie goes back and forth of him being in certain places when he's old and done and when he's when he's young and coming up. So you kind of see both, you know, you see both. Um, it kind of goes back and forth to him being an old man who's ready to retire or, or, you know, who's almost done. And then, and then um, you know, him being the young up-and-coming guy who was putting all this shit together. So uh, that was Jay Edgar. I enjoyed it. My wife enjoyed it. My brother liked it, but he did think it was really slow. He wanted, he thought they needed to do something else. Maybe you guys will think the same thing. I just thought it was so interesting that this guy started the whole shit that our country, uh, that, that runs our country every day. Um, sports. I got to talk about this piece of shit at Syracuse. Uh, this, these, let me tell you this, and, and, and you know what, this is going to just actually keep the theme. Episode 41, I'm just going to call this a very angry episode. Uh, of <laughs> the Versi effect, talking about throwing people by their head and putting videotapes in their head, and um, you know we talked about some you know loss of life and stuff. So anyway, I'll just keep that theme. The people at Syracuse, should, first of all, this fat piece of shit who who taking advantage of young kids because you're in a position of power, all these coaches and camp counselors and, and these priests and all this shit is the most despicable fucking thing to just totally destroy a young kid's life like this. And, and uh, you know, and now the head coach is saying, I'm sorry for my comments, you know, I, I defended him. I will say this for the coach. The coach was defending him so strong that it did come across as if, like, Listen, like, that's my friend that I've known for something, you know, 50 years. There's no way he would do that. So that I can respect. But the fact that they were neighbors and this guy was doing it and something about this leaked in 2002, here's the thing. Everybody gets fired. Joe Paterno got fired at Penn State. All of these people, guilty by association, you get fired. If you were around, okay, th folks, this is why the media, I'm sorry, this is why the mafia, I almost said the media runs right, uh, but that's not the case. Um, the mafia. Okay, and I know it's crazy to use that as an example, but the mafia, believe it or not, they are organized and they get shit done and if you fuck up, you die. Okay, when the consequences of fucking up are you not being around anymore or your family being in harm, guess what, people? You don't fuck up. 
You don't. You don't fuck up. Look, if you know shit's coming to your house, if you do something wrong, chances are you're not going to do something wrong. Okay? And, and if you do, everybody goes, and that's the understanding. And that's what it should be. This guy molesting kids, I don't care if it, if it was just his sickness and he tried getting therapy and other people knew about it, people didn't know about it. Everybody on that coaching staff goes. That school needs to, you know, this chancellor of Syracuse saying, oh, well, he's our coach and he's, no, no, no. You go there and you say, we're going to, everybody dies here. Not literally, I'm talking about gets fired. In, in, in the mob, it would be dying. In this situation, everybody gets fired, period. That's it. The chancellor, the president, all these people of the school need to go. This is unacceptable. We want people to know if you come to Syracuse, if you come to this college, you will never, you and your kids will never even have to be around or see the sight of these fucking devils walking around that want to touch little boys' dinglings and rape them. Okay? And if they're friends with them, we don't want them around either. So everybody is gone. We will have a new coaching staff, and we don't care if it means sacrificing the season. That would make so many people want their kids to go to that school. Instead of this cover-up bullshit, oh, with an investigation, we'll find out what happened. It's ridiculous, man. It's fucking ridiculous. Everybody's got to go. You can't tell me rumors in 2002 happened. Okay, and by the way, shame on ESPN, too, because ESPN had the tapes of that phone call of Bernie Fine's wife talking to the kid that he molested. They had it in 2002, and they never did anything with it until now. So ESPN knew some shady shit was going on, but they protected the system. They protected the program. It's bullshit. I'll watch ESPN for SportsCenter because that's the only place where you can really much get the news in sports. But they're, they're, they're definitely guilty of some things too. But this is ridiculous, man. To, to, to come out and say, oh, well, we don't know what happened. You know what happened. His wife admitted it. He fucking he was molesting ball boys. That's what he was doing. The head coach got to go. Everybody's got to go. Okay, the head coach is friends of 50 years with a fucking devil like that. Gone. Done. Okay, that's it. Go home. Let those piece of shit sit home and think about what happened while they watch a new coach instead of who doesn't want to fuck kids that are on the court. How about that? Or ball boys. It's ridiculous. It's despicable. And 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 anybody who does the dude, I'm gonna tell you this right now. If if somebody ever, if I ever found out that somebody ever even looked at my son and had the thoughts of doing to my son what these pieces of shit did to these ball boys. Okay, or or this fat guy did to these whatever the fuck. I swear to God, the next time you fucking heard about me or read about me, it wouldn't be on stage or it wouldn't be about doing a show or it wouldn't be about my career. It would be about an absolute just massacre of of it would be a just I don't even know what I would do. It would be that that's how it would be ridiculous what I would do. I would fucking get so crazy. That, it, it, you know, it would be ridiculous. I would fucking kill people. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I would kill people. Okay? And I would take pleasure in doing so. It just won't happen. It wouldn't happen. Like, and if it did happen, it would be, that would be the end of my career. Like, that would be the end of my... The only reason why I would, would probably not obviously want to go to jail is because I want to be there for my family. But some shit would go down really bad. You know? Uh... I, I just can't even believe that there's a chance that people's jobs can be saved. Oh, well, he's been there. See, that's what, that's what the problem is. These people think because they've been there for so many years. Oh, well, 36 years and he's been there, so doesn't that... Yeah, but he's been friends with a pedophile for 50. Okay, and, and something came out in 2002 
Something came out in 2002, rumors of this guy doing it, but then they went away. So as a head coach, if you hear rumors of your dear friend or somebody working under you for decades molesting a kid, aren't you going to call that dude in the office and be like, man, what the fuck, like, you know, this, what, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing to ball boys? Like, why is there rumors in the paper? Why are people talking about you molesting somebody and you're an assistant coach under me for decades? How is this happening? Like, why? What's the deal? Because if this comes back or if you are doing this, you're gone. And I need to know now because if you need to go now, you're going now because I can't be a part of this or any despicable thing you're doing. This is a disgrace. You're gone. That's what that's what should happen. But that didn't happen. You know, and not to mention this guy lives next to Bayheim. They live in the same neighborhood, man. You can't tell me ball boys living at the dude's house. I mean, come on, man. It's bullshit. Bullshit, man. The whole fucking thing just stinks to high heaven. And I think that people need to... I, I think that people need to pay. And I don't like this Jim Bayhan. I don't even like his face. I don't like his face. I don't like his attitude. He's not personal. He sucks. He makes me not like Syracuse. And I want to like Syracuse because I live in New York. But he sucks. He needs to be fired. Because he was friends with this fat piece of shit molesting kids. Unacceptable. You know what? Unacceptable for the week this week is just... I'm going to just sum it up with everything. Anybody who sucks, anybody who just sucks at living, is just unacceptable. Everything. This whole podcast of just people being mean and shitty and, and treating people like shit if they work in customer service. And, uh, you know, the, the, these people that cover up and hide despicable things. It's just all unacceptable. It's fucking ridiculous. Uh... All right, let me plug my dates where I'll be. <laughs> Come and check me out. I won't be as I won't be as angry. I'm in. You know what it is? I'm just in go mode right now. I'm ready to. Uh, I'm fired up. I'm recharged. I'm ready to go. I gotta write some new material. Hopefully, some new material comes from all these thoughts that I'm having. But thank you for listening. Um, I know my real fans hear me and uh, feel the same way that I do. Um, and that's what makes you my real fans, and um, I appreciate you guys every day. And as I grow as a comedian and my fan base grows, I'm always going to remember the people that were there at the beginning, and uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for the future. I got some things coming up. Um, I'm actually going to be performing at CB's Comedy Club December 7th, that Wednesday, December 7th, all the way through that Sunday which uh, I guess is the 11th or the, uh, the the 12th, December 7th through the 12th, I'll be in New York City uh, in The Village performing at CB's Comedy Club. Uh, and then the next week I will be headlining Bananas Comedy Club in Poughkeepsie, New York on December 16th and 17th. And uh, I'm glad I'm home because uh, I will not be doing any flying or traveling out of state until next year which means uh, we get to finish the scripts on the documentary show, the documentary film that I'm working on, which hopefully we start shooting in January. So uh, all that stuff um, is going on. I will be uh, redoing uh, things on my bio, on my website, putting new dates up. There's going to be new pictures up, new pictures of Carnegie and a bunch of stuff there. So go to the paulverzi.com website. And uh, like I said, I'm going to be upgrading equipment for my podcast here. Um, so uh, you're gonna be hearing a crystal clear, no buzzing, or that that you know that's the goal. So it's gonna be uh, updated, and I'm debating on changing my logo of the Verzi Effect podcast 
with the same picture except me with a beard because I've been rocking this beard for a while and it's catching on. Um, and I'm keeping it under control. Like It's not getting wild. You know, it's a nice trim beard, but it's uh, people are telling me they like the look. And uh, I'll be honest, I kind of like it too. Unfortunately, I'm getting some gray hairs in it, which sucks. Um, but, you know, what are you going to do? I'm getting fucking 33. Ah, whatever. I'm still, look at me. I'm trying to talk myself into feeling better about it. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening to episode number 41. This has been the Verzi Effect Podcast. Check out the website and all that stuff. And I will be having some uh, special guest comedians in the uh, next couple podcasts again. Um, oh, and also, I want to plug something that I did last night. I did, I did a, I did two podcasts. I was on Joe Matarese's Fixing Joe podcast. Like I said, it was me, Joe, and Dante Nero. And then I had to take off from that and go down to the city to do a set. But I did a podcast called Gandhi Is That You? And it features these two comedians, Kyle and Grant. And they wanted to talk to me after the show last night in the city. And I did it. And uh, they wanted to talk about Carnegie. So I actually actually said a better story about Carnegie. It was kind of like mine, except it was a little more deeper. Um, so, And that's going to be posted today. I want to put that on my Facebook. So check that out. It was a great podcast. Uh, we talked about great stuff and, and you know, just comedy and, and certain things that I think everybody, if they're interested in, in, in comedy and stuff, should listen to. So check that out. That's going to be up um, today. Gandhi, is that you? Just search Gandhi, is that you podcast and the host Kyle and Grant and uh, we had a really good time with that. Uh, and also Matt Arise's, uh which was, I believe, episode 48 on Fixing Joe. So check both of those out. And um, until next week, um, I will be uh, talking to you guys soon. All right, thanks, everybody.